Welcome to the North Shore Church audio podcast. To find out more information about North Shore Church, please visit us at mynsag.com. We hope you enjoy today's message. Today we are talking about the living room. The living room. This is simply the place where you live with others. You socialize. You interact. You do life together in the living room. So, um, But as we talk about family, I just want to put you at ease. Because there is no such thing as a perfect family. <laughs> There's no such thing as perfect husbands, wives, amen. No, no such thing as perfect wives, husbands, don't say anything. Uh, no such thing as perfect children, right? There is no such thing as a perfect family. No such thing as perfect parents. And so, I mean, I grew up in a pastor's home, right? And I grew up in a pastor's home, and, and my family wasn't perfect. In fact, that pastor you saw up there giving announcements, inviting you, come on back next Sunday for baptism, that is my brother. And uh, let me tell you about my brother growing up. There was a time, there was a time I came home, or he came home from college, and I'm in high school, and we're just outside just kind of messing around, and he has a BB gun, and he gives it a pump, he starts pumping, and he says, you got three seconds to run. Your pastor shot his brother. I mean, I had this cutoff shirt, and so I started running. Like, I saw it in his eyes. He was not joking. I'm like, I better run. And I start running, and he aims that thing up, and poof. And he shoots, and the BB goes, like, hits my straight skin where my cutoff shirt was at. And it was, like, the biggest welt I've had in my life. And I was this close to show him who the real man of the house was, if you know what I'm saying. Like, it was crazy, but he shot me. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, what are you doing? But that's growing up with family. Um, I grew up in a family of six. Six of us was four siblings, and so three of us were in the back seat of the car, and three were in the front seat, and I was the one in the middle, in the back. And my older sister, like, hated everything family. She just was like, ah, the angry older sister. You know what I mean? And uh, if I so much as touched her in the back seat, three of us crammed in the back seat, she would yell and scream and hit. And I was like seven or so years younger than her. I'm a lot younger than her. In fact, she would get so mad uh, in the back seat that I couldn't even look at her. If I looked at my sister, she would scream and yell, stop looking at me. In fact, I couldn't even look out her window. (laughs) When I would just look out her window, stop it. I'm "I'm looking out the window. Don't even look out my window. My dad's like, Melissa, chill. But this was growing up with family. There's no such thing as a perfect family, and you find that out when you get married, right, because all your imperfections are put on display. It's like a big mirror, and it's like, wow, I just see all my, my, my mistakes. I just see it, it just all those little parts inside of me that I don't like looking at. Um, I'll share one of the biggest fights that me and my wife got into because it's ridiculous, and many of you know that some of the biggest fights happen and start over the most ridiculous little things. Am I right? Like, they start so small. And here was this argument. Here was the fight. I was sitting there, and we were eating dinner, and uh, I, I said, hey, babe, can I get some more mac and cheese? And she said, we're all out. I threw it away. And that was it. That was the moment. Like, something inside of me, like, it just twisted, and I was like, oh, she threw away the mac and cheese, and I wanted some more mac and cheese. And so I'm angry, and I said, you did that on purpose, because you think I'm getting fat. <laughs> I'm not even lying. Like, no insecurities whatsoever, right? 
And like, I am so angry. Like, it just, it like just digresses into this huge argument of me questioning her motives as my wife. And do you really support? Do you really like? I was just questioning her, but it all started because I was angry that she threw out some mac and cheese, and I thought, you know, she was trying to tell me something by it. But that's family. There's no such thing as a perfect family, and I've since come to my senses, and you don't mess with the person who makes your food because you can go without. You know what I'm saying? You do not mess with the person who makes the food. Um, But with family, things can get real real quick. Some of you, you're here, and just today, uh, you are hurt because there's a family member that you would love to have beside you in the room, but they're not here. Um, Some of you, you're here and you're going through this moment where your marriage that maybe once was so awesome and and great is now at the brink of of pulling apart. And it's like, man, this is hard. Some of you, your relationship with your kids is barely hanging on and you haven't talked to them in months and months, some in even years. This family relationship, this whole thing is really hard because in a moment, arguments can happen. In a moment, hurts can be picked up. Um, and in a moment, we can catch on, we can grab a hold of pains that stick with us for years and years. It's hard. But I just want to give you some encouragement today because somewhere in all the imperfections of family, somewhere in all the messed up family relationships that we have, God wants your family to be blessed. He wants your family to be healthy. He wants your family to love him and to love one another. And I believe no matter where you're at, God has something more for you. God has something more for your family. And, and no matter where you're at, God has a plan for you and a plan for your family. Some of you, you may be in here because of your family, like you grew up in church. Me, I mean, I can be someone who, I look at my life, I'm here because of my family, right? My grandfather is a pastor. He was just up here. Like, I'm a third generation pastor. My dad's a pastor. Like, because of my upbringing, by the grace of God, I'm here today. Others of you, in spite of your family, you found yourself here today. You found yourself here and your family didn't really raise you that way, but somehow along the path, you picked up some faith. God spoke to you and you made it real. And so I just want to encourage you, even if you're here, you're single, you're not around family, you're in college, uh, you're, you're just maybe engaged, whatever it is, I want you to know that a legacy begins somewhere. By the grace of God, you found yourself here, you are following Christ, and a legacy begins somewhere, so why not with you? Why not with you? A legacy that will out last you. So let's talk family. Let's talk living with family, the living room, living with family, living with those around us. Sometimes it's friends, sometimes it's coworkers, but just simply living a life uh, in a way that hopefully makes a positive influence on those around us. So I did some research on living rooms. Did you know that a living room used to be called a parlor? It wasn't called a living room. It was called a parlor, the place where you come in and you sit down and you socialize. And then in 1918, right after World War I, Influenza broke out really, really badly, and millions of people across the globe were dying. And it was so bad that they would just bring the bodies to the front room of the house so that people could come and they could mourn uh, those that passed away before they were taken off for the funeral. And so at that time, that room became known as the death room. The death room. I read this, and this blew my mind. A room in your house called the death room. I could not imagine it being a death room today. You know what I'm saying? Like, how would that be inviting people over? Hey, come on over. Have a seat in my death room. (laughs) Like, you get in your Batman voice, like, come on in my death room. You know, like, no, that would not fly. That is, that does not work in today's culture. But that's kind of where it started with a parlor to 
people passing away, it being a death room. And then over, as time passed, uh, less and less people were, were passing away. This big influenza outbreak kind of was becoming over. And there was a big article published that said, let it no longer be known as a place of mourning, but a place of joy. For it will no longer be known as a death room, but from now on, let it be known as a living room. Living room. And as I read this story, I just thought, man, this is crazy. This is cool. And because I think there's some truth in that. I think there's some truth in this because the way that we live our lives with others, the way you live your life around your family, your friends, whoever, has the power to bring life or death. The power of life or death is how we live uh, around those, with those around us. And if we're not careful, then this place meant to connect with others, like the living room connect, meant to socialize with others, to build relationships, uh, to become a family, uh, can instead be a place where relationships are broken. Can instead be a place where hurts are picked up. A place where emotional and mental scars cut really, really deep. And I know it's real when we start talking with family because I know many of you are facing some of these family issues, whether it's with your own family extended family, in-laws. But I want you to know there's hope. There, there is hope because when we start getting God involved in our families, things can change. When we start doing things God's way, he, see, he specializes in taking things that were dead and bringing them back to life. You know what I mean? That's exactly what he did. Jesus, in his own words, said, I am the resurrection and the life. So I wanted to speak this into you. I just want you to catch on to this today. The resurrection wasn't an event. It was a person. It wasn't just something that happened. It is someone. And so if you're here today, you're looking at your family, your marriage, your relationships, and there's just something inside of you that's like, it's hurting, and it's like, man, it's hard, and I don't know how to bring life into it. You don't need an event. You need a person. You don't need something. You need someone, and that person is Jesus. He is the resurrection and the life. So today we're just going to look at Scripture, and we're just going to look at a pa passage of Scripture. There's a lot of passages of Scriptures we could look at, but I'm just going to focus in on one because I think it really highlights living with family in a way that makes an impact that outlasts you. Or even living with those around you if you're, you're not around family, like living in a way that outlasts you. So Deuteronomy 6 is Moses talking. This is basically Moses' last words. His famous last words, before he dies, he gathers the entire nation of Israel around. Come on, God. Hey, everybody, bring it in. Bring it in. Before I go, there is one thing I, I got to do. I'm going to renew the covenant with you. And I'm going to do it in a way that makes sure you know and you remember and you pass it on for generations and generations to come. And this is kind of the main point that, that he shares with the entire nation as, he, as he's about to die. In fact, this is uh, kind of reiterated every chapter after this. In fact, five chapters later, word for word, this same passage is in there. And so this is where we're at in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. Here's what Moses says. Hear, O Israel. Let me pause right there. Because what he's about to say, he, he's going to be saying a lot of, about maybe parents, talking about parents with families. He's going to be talking about parenting and home. But yet, he says it to everybody. And so I want you to know, if you're here, and, and this is a message not just for parents, not just for those with their family, this is a message for everybody. If you're single, you're in college, you're alone today, and you're just like, I don't have any family around, this is for you. 
Because every person needs surrounding voices, supporting voices for their family to make a real influence. I love that one of the supporting voices of my kids is the church, is you guys. Many of you teach my kids, and I love it because I always ask my son, he's two and a half, what did you learn today? Jesus. Yeah, okay. You know the name, of, you know to say the name of Jesus. Awesome. That's great, MJ. Hey, what does Jesus do? Jesus gives me food. Like, yes, he does. Pancakes and eggs and bacon today, you know, like, he, he knows he gives him food, and he knows I have a home in heaven. And I'm like, MJ, that is awesome. You are a supporting voice to my son. And so this is not just a message to parents, to families. This is a message to everybody. Everybody. So hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Man, more than anything, God wants you to love him. He's saying, listen, this is the big thing. Here's what, do not depart from this to love the Lord your God with everything you have. And here's the thing about love is love here is a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not to just like, hey, when you feel like it, man, honor God. Love isn't this flowery emotion of just overwhelming feelings. It is making a choice. And that means that when I get married, that means when I have a family, there are times I don't feel like loving my spouse, but I can make a choice to do it. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? The times where you feel like rolling over and giving them the cold shoulder and just going to bed knowing that they're hurt and angry. But you have to make a choice to roll back over, (laughs) apologize, say you're sorry. It's hard, but it's a choice. And loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Like this is it. Do not depart from this. And then here's the very next thing. He says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home in the living room, when you have dinner together at the dining room, uh, when you walk along the road, or when you drive in your car. Today, when you drive to school, when you drive to church, when you're in the car, talk about them. When you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them to your foreheads, write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. And every chapter from this, almost every single chapter from this point on, talks about passing on to the next generation a love of God. In fact, earlier he says, you saw firsthand the plagues. You saw firsthand how God delivered you. You saw what God has done for you. Now you better pass that on to to people behind you. You better let the people around you know. You better just share what God has done in your life with those around you. These are his last words. Joshua did the exact same thing. The very next leader of Israel, he calls them all together. Listen up, everybody. Hey, Joshua's about to die two verses later. But before he dies, here's his famous last words. We put it up in our houses. It says, choose this day whom you are going to serve. But as for me and my house, that last phrase, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. It's not just about him. It's not just about his faith. But he understood it was about his household. It was about those around him as well. And I I would suggest today that one of our most important jobs as parents, as family, as husbands, as wives, as coworkers, citizens, whatever it is, church attenders, is to pass on a love of God to those around us. Here, this is the most, pass on the love of God to those around us. And he talks a little bit about parenting and about households. But this is huge. And I'm not an expert by any means on families, um, but I've been in one my whole life, right? We've all been in families. Uh, I'm not an expert on, on raising children. So I just want to show what God's word says about it. I'm just going to make four quick observations 
about this scripture we just read and then just kind of tie it up at the end and summarize it and tell you how it's affected my life. So first of all, the first observation, relationship comes before rules. Relationship comes before rules. We read it, verse 5, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Relationship. Listen, I want you to be so in love with me that every part of you, man, desires me and and wants to be near with me. And and like we just have such a close relationship. And then the very next verse, verse 5 is relationship. Verse 6, these commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Rules. Rules. I've seen it put this way. Um, that rules without relationship equals rebellion. That rules without relationship equals rebellion. And I love that God's word reinforces kind of this principle of of relationship comes before rules. Because I see so many people in the world, they look at the church, they look at God's word, they look at following Jesus as a bunch of rules. And they don't get it and they look and they're like, why would you choose that? That doesn't make sense, you're crazy. Look at all these rules. You want me to live like that? No, but you know what they're missing? A relationship. They're missing the relationship because when you get the relationship, man, that's the part that changes you. That's the part where God speaks to you. And that's where you realize that some of these things that he puts in place in his word aren't because he wants to, he's the big guy in the sky waiting for you to mess up, but because he has a future planned out for you that's better than the future you have planned out for yourself. He's like, hey, let me help you get there. Man, I got something so good in store for you. Let me show you how to, how to live it out in your life. Like, these rules come out of love, and we follow them not because we're scared. We follow them because we love him, because we love him. Relationship comes before rules. I was a youth pastor in Oklahoma City, and it, I, I was a youth pastor at an inner city um, youth ministry, um, and we had, a, had to have a security team. And this security team, as I'm, I'm watching them week after week, I notice something that our security team is turning mean. Here's what I mean. Like, we have rules. They kind of enforce the rules, right? And uh, one of our rules was, hey, make sure the kids aren't sagging. We had a lot of kids who like to sag. And uh, so the security teams would go around, and I'm watching them, and here's what they do. They're standing there with their arms crossed. Hey, pull up your pants, right? I'm watching this. I'm like, oh, man, that doesn't make me feel right. And so the kid looks at them and, like, pulls them up and walks away and goes around the corner and pulls them right back down. I'm like, something's got to change, and so we got together with our security team. We're like, guys, something's got to change. And so we, we come up with this thought of discipleship through correction. Discipleship through correction. Uh, listen, maybe instead of taking 10 seconds to just tell them the rules of what they did wrong, you got to put your arm around. we got to get some relationship first. So instead, why don't you take 10 minutes? Why don't you just grab them? Hey, let's go shoot some hoops. Man, tell me about your family. Tell me about your grades. How's your school going? And we just kind of put this whole plan into place to build a relationship. And then as you're kind of closing, hey, come on in here. Man, let me tell you how you can help me out. And when you come, uh, would you just pull up your, your britches, pull up your, your drawers, because we don't want to see that. <laughs> Man, just, just honor each other, honor God in this place. And, like, it completely changed uh, that whole process. Our security team, it was completely different after that. But we had to understand that rela- rules without relationship equals rebellion. Um, I, I, and I believe that uh, if our Heavenly Father operates this way in this verse, doesn't it make sense that we should too? If, if the Heavenly Father says, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then here's some commands that are going to help you, doesn't it make sense that as a parents, as, as family, we should live that way too? Love our spouse with all that we have. Like this relationship comes first because the rules happen when when people break the rules. Basically, they're saying you didn't meet an expectation that I had. 
when, we, when our expectations aren't met, we just feel let down, and it's like, ah, oh, this is horrible. But I wonder if our families might look a little different if we, if we focused more on the relationship than we did on other people in our families meeting our expectations. There was a really uh, prominent megachurch pastor Huge church. He had national influence, worldwide influence at this place that he was pastoring. And it was just like looking at him, it it was like he had it all together. But there was one thing missing. He looked at his family, and he was losing his son. And so in this moment, he did something uh, drastic. He resigned his position at this big, huge, prominent church. Uh, He resigned his position as pastor, and he went to live in a small town and pastor a small church, saying all the time that I've spent neglecting my son, I was pulled in so many different directions here that I'm just gonna focus on my relationship with my son. And little by little, man, that relationship was restored. That relationship was rebuilt. And by the time that son graduated and left, he had a foundation of Christ, the love of his family. He's today in ministry. And then after his son left, this prominent pastor who kind of put his life on pause for the simple fact of building a relationship with his son continued his life. And he went on to found uh, the most impactful and influential family talk radio show of all time called Focus on the Family and Family Matters. And this man is Dr. James Dobson. And many of you have heard about him because uh, they say every day over 120 million people listen to his show in over 164 countries. But it started because he looked at his life, he looked at his relationship with son that seemed to be falling apart, and what he didn't do is he didn't put more rules into place. Listen, son, you need to start listening to me. Be home, do this, do that. He looked at it and he said, man, I gotta do something, and it starts with my relationship with him. See, he understood this truth. If If I win the world but lose my family, I have lost. If I win the world but lose my family, I've lost. Relationship comes before rules. The second observation, the truth must be in you before it can be in them. It must be in you before it can be in those around you, right? Here's what we just read in verse 6. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. It's in you. And then here's what I want you to do with it. Impress them on your children. Moses is saying, listen, something's got to be in you first. But once it's in you, it can be passed on to them. It can be passed on to them. And uh, as a father of a a two-and-a-half-year-old, one thing I'm beginning to realize, (laughs) kids are fantastic imitators. You know what I'm saying? They will sometimes imitate all the wrong things. They'll they'll even just, just to drive you crazy, they'll just repeat everything you say. You're like, stop it, stop it. And I was like, no, stop. And they'll just repeat it. They are fantastic imitators. Uh, in fact, just last night, my family was downstairs, and my kids were playing. My wife was on the couch, and so I have a Bowflex down there. And uh, I got on the Bowflex, and I thought, man, I need to get rid of I'm getting these little Debbies catching up to me. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, man, I got to get in shape. And so it's right here. We're down here anyway. Why not just work out a little bit? So I start doing some bench presses on the Bowflex and getting a pretty good workout in. And my son's watching me, and he comes running over. My turn, Daddy. Like, oh, MJ, go away. Go play. I'm doing this. And, like, I get my, my set in. Daddy, my turn. I do it. I, he will not listen to what I say. I'm like, no, MJ, go play. He'll leave me alone for 30 seconds, come running back. I do it. My turn, Daddy. I'm like, 
son, fine, whatever. Get on here, right? And you're frustrated and you're like, put 100 pounds on there, let's see you do it. Come on. I didn't do that. But uh, I took all the weight off and I gave him the handles. And you know what he did? Exactly what he just saw me do. He grabbed those handles and he grunts, ah, there's no weight. Ah, one. Ah, two. Ah, all the way up to ten. And I'm just like laughing and I'm like, wow. These kids, they catch everything that we do. In fact, I want you to catch this. Remember this. Uh, Children have never been very good at listening to their elders, but they've never failed to imitate them. They have never failed to imitate them. What's in you is passed on to them by how you live. By how you live. Now that I'm a dad, I find myself saying some of the exact same phrases that my dad used to say. I'm like, where did that come from? I'm turning into my dad. It's crazy. Uh, You know, just a few months ago, one of our family values, and I'm going to talk about our family values here in a little bit and why that's important to me and and how that's changed my life. But one of our family values is to honor God daily. And so we just believe in this, this fact of modeling how we want our kids to live. And so sometimes we'll just turn off the TV and we'll turn on some worship music and we'll pray. And we'll put on some songs that that are easy to sing. And we'll just worship Jesus. And most of the time, for the hundred times that you have to discipline and correct and redirect your kids, every once in a while there's this moment where they like, they get it. And this was one of those moments a couple months ago. I see my son starting to worship. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And I take out my phone. And instead of recording the right way, I somehow record it in selfie mode. My bad, right? Because I was putting it on my son. I'm like, oh, this is so awesome. But we tell him to close your eyes and lift your hands to worship Jesus, and he's doing it. But then he sees himself on the phone, and he's like caught in this in-between thing of I want to worship, but I want to look at myself too. And it just was an awesome, cute moment. And so uh, because it was just one of these moments as a father that was dear to my heart that I'm like, man, this is awesome. I just want to share one of the awesome moments from my family, from my living room to you today. So here it is. Check this out, this moment with my son. Isn't that, he's closing his eyes. Yep. And now he sees worship himself. Jesus. Close your hand, eyes and let's worship Jesus. <laughs> and he wants to close his eyes and pray, but he wants to see himself. <laughs> Keep singing. Good job. Now you worship. We're just I trying to teach more. him. Can we lift our hands and say, I want more? Close eyes, he said. And he does. And he's singing it out. And so that's just a little glimpse, you know, of my family. But one thing I'm finding out that's true, what's, it's, something's got to be in you before it can be passed to them. And Moses is reminding the people, listen, love the Lord your God, and whatever you do, pass this to people around you. Pass it to people around you. And some of you might be thinking, I just don't have the time to make that a priority. Well, number three, the third observation is each day is an opportunity. Every day there's natural opportunities. It says impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home in the living room. Talk about them when you walk along the road. Lie down and when you get up. He literally mentions when you're walking, sitting, uh, or lying down. There's not much other places you can be. 
You know what I mean? When you're walking, sitting, or lying down, impress these on your children. Find an opportunity to teach them. Find an opportunity through the week at home, every day. Talk about this with your kids. Moses is saying, don't just make God part of your week. Don't just make God part of your Sunday or your Wednesday. Make God part of your life, how you live your life. There's opportunities every single day. And some of us, if we want God to be a priority in our kids' lives, then maybe that means that we, they need to see us make him a priority in ours. Maybe our kids need to see us give up something that maybe we want to go to church. When I grew up, my dad wouldn't let me go to Sunday basketball tournaments, and I, was, I hated it. I was upset. But you know what he was doing? He was instilling in me priorities. He was saying, you know what, I, I, I'm not going to sacrifice church or time with God for, for sports. I know you love sports, but if something's going to sac- be sacrificed, sports is going to be sacrificed for Christ. When's the last time our kids saw a sacrifice for Christ? We, we want to, you want to see your children pray? Model it. Show them what it means to, to be a person of prayer. Let them catch you praying for them, kneeling at the side of your bed, uh, praying for them by name. It'll change them. When I was growing up I, in high school, I remember I walked in on my dad in the living room, sprawled out, laying on his belly, praying, crying out for his family, and praying for me by name. And it was a moment that was awkward and weird. And I turned around and I walked right back out. But it's a moment I'll never forget. And it's a moment that I hope my son catches me doing someday. Because I, I want him to be a person of prayer. Uh, you want your children to be honest. Show them what it means to be honest in the way that you live. You want your spouse to, to build trust. You've got to break down barriers. Learn to apologize. Learn to say, I'm sorry. Learn to forgive and move on. Like these are all things that, that we can model. You don't have to be perfect because none of us are. And God doesn't expect us to be perfect. No, but no matter where you're at, it can get better. So keep looking for opportunities. The last quick observation is repeat, repeat, repeat. Repeat. We are creatures of habit. 90% of the things you do today and every other day are because it's a habit. From the time you wake up to the order that you get ready to the clothes you put on to what you eat to everything is habit. To what social media app you open. And we are creatures of habit. And the Lord is saying here, he says in verse 8 and 9, Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Basically saying my word needs to be everywhere. I'm telling, he's like, listen, y'all are going to forget it if you don't tie it to your head. So you better tie it to your head, put it on your hand, whatever, put it on every doorpost because you do not want to forget this. He's saying, make, make it repeat, repeat. Don't forget about it. The Jewish people literally had containers of scripture called phylacteries. And they would literally wear those on their head. And they would literally put them on their hand because of this scripture. And as kind of a reminder that whatever they put their hand to, whatever their work is, that it's done out of a love for Christ, out of a love for God. And they would literally put containers of Scripture on every single door in their home. And in this Jewish culture, as they would pass through the door, they would reverently touch that container of Scripture before they walked through the door. And what that was, that was a symbol saying, this house is a place where God's Word is loved, taught, and obeyed. God, God is going to be honored in my house but it takes some work. So keep doing it. Repeat, repeat, repeat. I know it's going to be hard. I know there's this vision or there's this uh, leadership saying that vision leaks. And that means that if you don't put your vision out there in front of people like repeatedly, they're going to forget about it. 
And like our mission here is advancing the kingdom, and that's why you see it every single week. That's why you see it multiple different ways every week, because if we don't do it for a month, everyone's going to be like, what's, what's that phrase again? What are we doing here? Oh, we're advancing, yeah. Like, but vision leaks, and God knows that. And Moses is saying, listen, you've got to repeat it. You've got to repeat it. You're going to say it 100 different times, 100 different ways. You're going to say it every day the rest of your, you've got to repeat it. You've got to keep it, keep it going. So keep speaking life into your family. Keep serving your spouse. Keep honoring God. Keep going. Keep building godly and healthy habits. Keep going. And I want to summarize as I'm closing, if the band wants to, to come, I want to just summarize with this thought. Put it all together. A healthy family doesn't accidentally happen. It doesn't accidentally happen. As I look at the world today and as I look at how we live, um, you know what I'm realizing? That we have goals for everything. We have hashtag career goals. We have career goals. We have goals for our job. I want to climb the ladder. I want to make this much money. We have relationship goals. Goals that I want to be in. in uh, I'm single and I want to be married. Awesome. We have friendship goals. I want to be friends with certain people. We have all these different goals in our life. We have goals for our finances. I want to pay, get out of debt. I want to pay this off. So let's start saving now so we can get there where we want to be. All right, it's a goal. Some of us have a goal for our body. Like we're looking like, man, that is one too many little Debbies. Let me start working out. And so we start planning and meal prepping and eating right. And we have this goal of where we want to be, but we start doing something today to get there. And we have all these plans. Some of us have plans to update our homes. Some of you, you know the next five projects that you're going to update your home on. And we have all these plans in life, yet we don't give a second thought to planning out the future of our family. We, yet we many times just go through the motions, and I'm speaking from my own experience go through the motions, and just hope somehow naturally our family ends up in a good place. Well, I'm just kind of going through the moment, but I hope, I hope we're there. I hope we end up there. I hope things are healthy. See, we come home, and instead of giving our family the best, many times they get the leftovers. So we're tired. We worked all day. We just want to sit and watch TV, and they're loud. Stop yelling. Go clean your, like, and they just get our leftovers. They don't get the best of us. They get the leftovers. But today I'm challenging you to think, reconsider what the most important thing is. I feel like Moses trying to bring it back to you. Listen, guys, remember to love the Lord your God, but you got to pass it on to your family. Pass it on to those around you. Family is the most important thing. They're there when you're born. They're there when you die. They're there in the beginning. They're there at the end, and I truly believe this. Your main job doesn't start when you leave the driveway, but when you come back into it. Your main job doesn't begin when you drive out of the driveway, but when you drive back into it. Because the way that we live our lives has the power of life and death. And today there's hope because uh, some of you, it, it looks more like death than life. That's why you need not something, but you need someone. You need the resurrection, and you need the life, and you need Jesus in your families. I've seen, I've seen so many people spending their life climbing the ladder of success at the cost of their families, at the cost of their kids, at the cost of their marriages, and they're climbing this, this ladder of success even at the expense of their faith. And so could you imagine spending your entire life climbing the ladder you call success, one day getting to the top only to look around and realize that the ladder was leaning against the wrong wall. 
Today I'm challenging you to just look at your life and, and see what wall is your ladder leaning on? What wall is it? Family is one of the most important legacies you could leave, and especially a love of God for your family, a love of God for those around you. That's one that someday when you get up there, you're not going to be pursuing a career at the cost of so many other things and get there and look around like, I wish I was over there. No, that, that family ladder is a ladder that you are going to climb, and when you're looking back on your deathbed, you're going to say, I'm glad I'm right here. My wife and I, about a year and a half ago, she was pregnant with our daughter. And she was pregnant, right? She has these pregnant hormones. And I thought she was absolutely crazy. I mean, I'm just being real. Like, she was acting and doing, and I'm just like, who are you? Who are you? She was pregnant, had all these crazy things happening. And she thought I was insensitive and mean and didn't love her. And it was this moment in our marriage where it was rough. And when I'm saying it was, it was the hardest our marriage has ever been. We didn't want to see each other. We didn't want to talk to each other. Like, it was so bad. We didn't want to be in the same room as each other. I mean, it was bad. We made a rule in our home that we will never use the D word. But we sure thought about it. Thought it in our head. And finally, we came to this moment where we said, you know what? We cannot live like this. Something's got to change one way or another. What are we going to do? So we came together and we said, you know what, let's put a plan together for our family. Here was the questions we asked, and here's just a very practical question maybe you could ask yourself today. We asked ourselves, what do we want our family to be in the future? And number two, what behaviors do we have to implement today to get there? If this is the goal, this is the output that we want someday, what do we need to input today to get there? And so we made some family values. They're all behaviors. They're all action statements of things that we determine as a family, we promise to do this. Because we know if we put these in here, we're gonna end up with the family we want. And let me share just a few of them real quick. Uh, just three of the 10, I'm not gonna share them all, but number one is honor God daily. See the most important, every day we're gonna honor God because the family that prays together stays together. Sacrificially serve one another, this was number two. This single-handedly changed our marriage like that. Because it went from me uh, thinking you're letting down my expectations, you're not living up to the rules or whatever I have in my mind, to now me saying, I want to do all I can to serve you. There's been more breakfasts in bed and more foot rubs in the past year and a half than the four and a half years combined before that. We literally try to outdo each other in serving one another. She'll cook and all, she'll talk about, oh, I forgot to switch the laundry downstairs. And I'll say, stay right there, let me go. Like, we literally try to live this out. I don't always feel like it but I choose it. Three, the, the third one that we have, and I'll stop at this one, we excessively encourage one another. We said if we're gonna end up where we, are, we want our family to be, we have to encourage, we have to be each other's biggest cheerleaders. So every day we speak life over each other. We pick each other up if we're feeling down. We do it into our kids. I stand my kid up, I stand MJ up every day. And he takes these compliments now, like he accepts them. I'm like, MJ, did you know you're smart? Mm-hmm. You're handsome, yep. You're chosen. You're called. God is going to use you to do something great. Mm-hmm. Like, he just takes it. He knows that that's part of, of what our family culture is. But we knew a healthy family for us wasn't going to accidentally happen because we saw where it ended up when we just went through the motions. We looked at it and said, something has got to change. I refuse to move forward looking with things being and feeling the way that they are. So we decided to put in some work into our family. Can you stand to your feet all across this place with me? Because some of us, we might be here 
we've been leaning our ladder against the wrong wall this entire time. And you're at the point where you're looking and you're realizing something's got to change. It's like I grew up not in the living room, but in the death room. My family feels like it's, it's more dead than alive. Something's got to change. And Jesus wants you to know that when he gets involved, that's when things really begin to change. When you start living out his plan for your family, his plan for your life, things really begin to change. But one of the greatest things we have, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and impress that on the people around you. Can we just take a moment to bow our heads and close our eyes? We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to connect with us, or if you want more information about North Shore Church, please visit us at mynsag.com.